I'm sure if you pulled your resume out right now, you could probably pinpoint with 100% accuracy the one job where the culture was really lacking. Every company has a culture, but just not every company has a good one. So what makes a good one? Is it trust falls and off-sites? Is it keynote speakers and positive slogans on posters in the hallway? My guest today on Off the Floor is Claude Silver. She's the number three at VaynerMedia, one of the top marketing agencies in the world. She definitely knows a thing or two about building a culture, where it comes from, and how everybody plays a part in it. My name is Chris Lynham, and this is episode 15 of Off the Floor. What happens when you combine business, pop culture, and at least five analogies to ballroom dancing? You get Off the Floor. A podcast to help you get to that next step in your career or your tango. Here's our host, Chris Lynham. So first things first, uh, I want to introduce to the Off the Floor audience a very special guest. We've been working on this interview for a while, and it's so exciting to say that we have Claude Silver. She is the Chief Heart Officer at VaynerMedia, one of the most successful marketing agencies in the world. Uh, Claude Silver, why don't you introduce yourself, and thank you so much for joining the show. Chris, thank you so, so much. I do have one of the greatest titles in rock and roll. My title is Chief Heart Officer of VaynerMedia, and uh, I get the privilege of working for and working with 800 people every single day, and I work with Gary Vaynerchuk. Wow. What more can you say about that? Interview's over. (laughs) (laughs) Mic drop. Yeah, exactly. So you get, tell me really quick, just what is it like a day in the life at VaynerMedia? There's so many people that wish they could be a fly in the wall over there. I know there's a lot of programs for people to come and do a visit. Um, It's pretty, it's almost like getting into a club in Las Vegas. So what's it like, uh, you know, kind of a a day in the life at VaynerMedia? Well, my day, there's no day that is the same. That is for sure. I think number one being that we're dealing with people are experience here and culture, which is living, breathing, and, and quite frankly, there's no silver bullet. There's no right way to do culture. There are a ton of wrong ways to do culture. So um, my day is everything from checking in on people. I walk the floor. I obviously say hi and how are you and all that stuff. I do a lot of one-on-one. So uh, individuals have proactively set up meetings with me or I will proactively set up meetings with people that either I have a spidey sense that I want to talk to because maybe they're feeling something that they want to talk through or work through. Or I've reached out to people just randomly because it's been, you know, nine months since I've actually sat down with them. And the one-on-ones consist of uh, about 15 minutes and I do a lot of listening. And as I'm listening, I'm also doing some coaching and, and helping them, guiding them towards answers or guiding them towards removing roadblocks. There are rare occasions that I will actually remove the roadblocks for them. And that's something that I'll work with Gary on if it's something significant, uh, for example, like a team change. But most of the time, it's just working with people on, on uh, life skills and and how to communicate better, how to communicate up and uh, getting feedback and all that kind of wonderful stuff. I work on resourcing teams and individuals. And then I also work a lot with the uh, kind of the, the, how the sausage is made here at Vayner. And that is really the people and business operations of it all. How does this company, yeah, how do, how do we tick? How do we, how do we, how do we work? How do we get from point A to B and A to Z? And, um, and really, all the while, my focus is the emotional health of VaynerMedia, the people health of VaynerMedia, which is the culture. 
as you were saying that, I was just thinking of that, you know, in sports, they talk about there's there's those players that are like, you know, the, there's the leading scorers. There's the guys that's really great on defense. And then they call these this one group of players, they call them the glue guys. And they're like the connective tissue for the team. Would you would you say that that's safe to say what your position is kind of like? Yeah, it's very much the connective tissue. I think it's very much probably um, being able to mirror in some way, shape, or form Gary's heart and his desire for uh, how he wanted this agency to run in the beginning, which was by being a we, not I culture and very collaborative, so forth and so on. Um, So yeah. Connective tissue, I think really pumping heart, pumping blood into the heart, uh, you know, to be metaphorical. Yeah. (laughs) I love being metaphorical. Um, Yeah. yeah. (laughs) So, uh, so now if you had to think of, of yourself, let's stick in with the metaphor here from a, from a culture standpoint, would you say that you're more of like a culture remodeler where you're, you could go in, say in some of your previous you know, employment history where you go in and you can, you can change and tweak a pre-existing, but maybe malfunctioning culture, or are you more of like an architect and builder where you're, you prefer to just to kind of start from scratch? You know, I, I would say both. I mean, I've been involved in so many cultures in my life and so many different uh, advertising agency cultures, if you will. And every single one has gifts to give. And so I think at VaynerMedia, I walked into a culture that was already incredibly vibrant. When I walked in four years ago, I was employee 389, and now we're you know right around the 800 mark. So wow. we've doubled in size in two years. And aside from that, uh, you know, as we've doubled, the culture needs to scale, but certainly the culture will change to some extent based on the new heartbeats that come in here and based on the fact that we are growing and we are international now and we have different offerings that we had four years ago. So in this case, I'm taking what was here and uh, hopefully enhancing it and having, um, I think shi- I think I would say probably shining a light on what our strengths are as a culture and really leaning into those such as EQ over IQ or empathy or uh, the golden rule or being just being good Samaritans to one another, um, being grateful, not being greedy, uh, connection, a sense of belonging and purpose. Those are the things that I'm really just shining a further light on and expanding on. So uh, so that our culture becomes more tangible, quite frankly. Yeah, that's wonderful. And what's so nice is that it's it's rooted in these these really wonderful principles of just being a great human. Um, so, like speaking of great humans, like what do you do? Is there a, a process that you go through with your team when it comes to bringing people on board? And you know, is it certain interview questions or things on the resume? What are the things that you're looking for that might suggest that someone has a really capable EQ? So first and foremost, we hire for skill set fit and culture addition. And about two years ago, when I stepped into the role, I made that change from culture fit to culture addition because that then allowed us to find people that had values within the zip code of VaynerMedia, but weren't identical because that, of course, allows us to focus in on diversity. And what we want is diversity of thought and thinking and diversity of uh, multiculturalism and sexuality and, and all the above. So what we're looking for really at the end of the day is, is this someone that is not afraid to let their freak flag fly? (laughs) (laughs) Is this someone that is 
non-judgmental of someone else letting their freak flag fly? <laughs> is this someone that will be will lead with integrity, uh, have an incredible sense of humor, and be resilient? Resiliency is a huge part of. I think the success here at Vayner, because we are a digital agency. We do work for an incredible entrepreneur who has, you know, ideas a mile a minute. And so we change a lot. And being able to ride the wave is, you know, really without getting seasick is a big part of what we're looking for here. And that means someone that is, uh, that has a, that has self-awareness. And, you know, we can, we can ascertain all of these things by asking questions. I mean, we can, we can ultimately just ask the question like, um, are you a MacGyver or are you a Bruce Lee? <laughs> cool. Uh, you know, are you, are you, how weird are you? You know, um, everything from what do you do if I gave you a million dollars and you never had to work another day in your life, what would you do? You know, kind of see how their imagination goes, see if they're, if they're of service, um, you can get, you can ascertain so much out of fun questions aside from the, the hard skill questions, which of course, you know, we, do, we also need to ask. Oh, absolutely. I am such a firm believer in that because I think that everyone goes into the interview process almost like trying to script out a first date. And I love having those questions that take people a little off kilter and get them just to smile and relax a little bit. And uh, so if you had to pick one favorite interview question, like if you had your, this is my ace of spades in my back pocket, uh, what would you say is your favorite? Oh, gosh. I have a lot, but probably the one that I love right now is you have a blank canvas in front of you and you have every color palette to choose from. What do you paint? Nice. And what my, the normal answer I get is um, they paint the picture that I think they, they think I want to see. Mm. And that's the interesting part because they all of a sudden paint a picture that applies to the job description that they've looked at to, uh, to come in for an interview. And in fact, what I want to see is just like, what are you, you going to paint a house, the blue sky? Uh, mm -hmm. I, I'd much rather see their imagination and where they go rather than what they expect me to want. Because the fact is, is I, that's not what I want. They're already there because they're already there because they think they can dot the I cross the T on the job description. So let's, let's dream a little bit. Let's play. Let's use your imagination, you know, color outside the lines. So that's, yeah, the canvas question is one I've been actually using for years, but it's, it's one that I like quite a bit. Oh, I love that one. That's great. I know it's so funny when people are trying to just anticipate the next move instead of just, it's like a chess match and you're, you know, just if you play your game or probably a basketball game would be a better metaphor, but that, you know, you play your game and you let the defense adapt to you. And in that case, they got through the door because of their resume and they don't need to spout off all the humble bragging moments about other things that they think will impress you. Yeah. Yeah. So, so now when you were talking about making the rounds and, and checking in and you said you had your spidey sense and you're kind of, you know, you can realize what are some of the little cues if, if you were kind of walking through, and I know there's some people that just have that innate sense. Like my wife can walk into one of our businesses and she just knows exactly who she needs to talk to. And she just got that, she's got that gut, you know? Um, do you feel like, you know, is it something there where it's just this thing you can't put your finger on or is it that I, you see some like physical cues or maybe some type of email correspondence? Like what's, what's like your telltale signs? Okay. Being that I'm a real feeler and I, I really live my life and, and, and work based on intuition for the most part and, and the cues that I'm getting just based on 
being an observer and and um, understanding human behavior, I'm looking for everything such as how many times have I walked by that person's screen and they're on Facebook? Um, <laughs> how many times um, have I seen that person coming in at 9, 30, 10 o'clock in the morning? How many times, um, or not how many times, I think the, the next one would be, you know, have I seen something on social media that told me that, that the person coming in today has, uh, you know, an animal uh, that's sick or an aunt that's in the hospital or has just gotten engaged or uh, just shared with the world that they're pregnant so forth and so on. So I think really being an observer gives me ample um, ammunition basically to have even more of a spidey sense. I actually can tell based on the people that have reached out to me, what else is, what else might be going on within a team? If that makes sense. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. So like if three, if three copywriters reach out to me in one day, <laughs> I probably think something is happening with, in the copywriting division. Right. Good, good, bad, indifferent. But yeah, that's, that's a pattern. Um, if I see someone, you know, really upset in the, in the ladies room, okay, well, let's check in what's happened. So one of the things I feel like Gary is incredible with and, and, uh, and, and probably something that he really has appreciated with me is the personal touch. Yeah. And, you know, in fact, when, when I asked him, how would we know if I was successful in this role? He said, you will infuse the agency with empathy and touch every single person. Wow. So, you know, that gave me my marching orders. No, oh, that's good. I mean, what's so wonderful about that is that hearing him talk about you and and why you are in the role that you're in and in the company hierarchy, you know, and then to know that it's not revolved all your key performance metrics aren't revolved around the end of the third quarter of last year or anything like that, that it's about creating those touch points, I think just speaks in volume about what is truly important over there. And gosh, if he's like your offensive coordinator and you're you're now the defensive coordinator kind of keeping it all together and see why VaynerMedia has grown. You said twice doubled in size in the last two years? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, Chris, I'm sorry. In the la- in the last three and a half years, my bad. Yeah, I would say in two years, we've grown almost 150, 175 people and launched uh, London. Yeah. And yeah. launched our very, very small office in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, cool. I didn't even know about that. I knew about that. There was one in, also in Chattanooga too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Chattanooga, I think we've been down for three and a half, three years or so. Gotcha. Which is terrific. Chattanooga has really vibrant startup uh, entrepreneurial community and the fastest internet in America, which is, uh, you know, Whoa. give the props for them. Yeah. So it's a great community down there. And uh, Mickey Cloud does a terrific job with that office. That is so cool. Okay. So now tell me if you can go back to your interview with Gary, how did it come about? Like, where were you coming from? And why do you feel like you guys really hit it off? Yeah. So I was in London and I was running strategy for an agency called Publicist London. My best friend introduced Gary to me and we talked on the phone for four minutes. I was pacing up and down in my kitchen in London. He was boarding a plane and I could tell in that four minutes, like, holy smokes, I had, I just had never spoken to anyone with that type of energy. And uh, I came to New York a month later, which was September. And we met on the Upper East Side uh, at a coffee shop, really like, uh, like old school coffee shop. Yeah. And uh, he had a half a grapefruit and a coffee. And I, I, you know, I was just like, 
you know, not starstruck, but wow, okay, this is a this is a big moment here. And there was something about the conversation we had, which was literally about people that told me, holy smokes, I need to be around this guy. I absolutely need to be around this guy. And there was something that I knew he needed to be around me. And it wasn't coming from an easy place. It was coming from a, we were meant to find each other in life mm. and be and be around each other, period. And um, eight months later, I moved to New York and started at VaynerMedia in May of 2014. Wow. That is so cool. For anybody who's an entrepreneur, I know how difficult it can be because you want to be the person that that gets it all done and, and it's really easy to hoard all of the responsibilities. Um, what do you feel like kind of sets Gary apart from like the widespread opinion of entrepreneurs in general that want to kind of do it all themselves? Number one, first and foremost, gratitude. Mm-hmm. He has uh, an, un- I mean... Gary is such an optimist, and I and I actually think that optimism and gratitude are linked together in many ways. Um, his ability to to know how to reach people and make people fundamentally feel good, like they're supposed to be there, that they have something to add, that they have something to share, uh, I really think comes from a very big, generous, grateful heart. That in itself and being such a an empath right there sets him apart because even though Gary is he's he's just such a he's such a large person, he is such a generous person. And that's something that um that I think actually keeps keeps us all very motivated. He's there's yeah, there's never a moment that he's not interested in what you have to say. And so he has you know, 15 one-on-ones every day, maybe 20. When he is uh, here in the office or when he's in any office, he is doing one-on-ones constantly. He has such a high touch with the people that are at work at VaynerMedia. I do not believe other CEOs do that. Fundamentally, I've never been around another CEO that does that. Wow. And that's just, just, I mean, that's just delicious. And it's infectious. And it is something that makes so much sense to me, you know, so. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. it's, uh, and, and it's funny when you think about, you know, how people can judge somebody who is such an, a media celebrity and you see just kind of like that, that surface layer and you think, oh, it's smoke and mirrors and it's a lot of bravado, but then you understand. And one thing that I know that he's constantly saying is that, you know, I'm also a business operator. Like this is just the, the shell, you know, and it's so neat to hear um, just all of those little, those little things that people don't necessarily gain a real appreciation for, um, like one-on-ones. I mean, that's, you know, 15 in a day, you know, that's, that's nuts for a CEO, no less. Oh gosh, absolutely. And that doesn't even account for the breakfast or the lunch meetings or the drinks or dinners that he's also having with employees. You know, it's just, it's, he's, he is an incredibly generous person. He's someone that teaches us all by example to lean into our strengths and to really, really do our best to forget our, our, our limiting beliefs about ourselves and weaknesses. And, and that's why I say all the time, we are teaching life skills here. Yes, we are teaching hard skills and that is 
ultimately at the end of the day, um, helping uh, our clients to be more successful. But it's the life skills that help our end consumers to be more successful. Oh, and, it, you know, we are being empathic and forming such great EQ internally. And at the end of the day, we are delivering that to the consumers that pick up that can of Budweiser that we are advertising for or go to Chase and use the Sapphire card that we are uh, working with them on or um, whatever it is, pick up the can of Mountain Dew. So everything we do internally is mirrored externally with our empathy. That's fantastic. I love that. Yeah. So um, I want to ask you a couple more questions couple more quick questions and I know you have to run, um, but <clears throat> you know, sometimes people can become, you know, obsessed with things because it's either like a deficit in their lives or maybe it's a surplus. Like it, they've just been in, a, in an environment that really fosters that. Where do you feel like from a, from the, you know, you're such a champion for culture in an organization. Do you feel like that came from a deficit in maybe another industry or another, another workplace? Do you feel like it came from a surplus? Like, was it just rooted in your, you know, in the, in the, the holiday parties with your family? Like, where do you feel like it originated <laughs> from? Uh, it, it, without a doubt, it comes from my family. It comes from my Nana who had the biggest heart of anyone I know. Um, I, I was taught the word altruism at a very young age, and I, I really believe that my family mirrored that for me in a great way. And, and the other thing, the other place that I think it really um, helped me out in is um, in athletics and sports, because I, I became a really strong athlete. And as I was developing my athletic skills, I was also a terrific coach and champion and cheerleader for other people because, you know, on the soccer field, you need everyone, Yeah. you know, uh, playing doubles. I need my doubles partner. So I have an enormous belief in people. I, I feel like I was an underdog in many ways in my life, especially academically. And I had athletics to really, really help me become a more confident human being and, and really be cool with my freaky self too. <laughs> so I think coming from that place of knowing that we are all the same and we are all one and uh, you know, what you've gone through, I've gone through, what I'm going through, she's going through or will go through. I think that's how empathy really breeds. Mm-hmm. And, um, and remembering that, uh, that we, we all, we all are doing our best. I mean, we're, I really truly believe we're all doing our best. And sometimes it takes someone to remind us to rise up get out of our way and, and just, you know, embrace what's in front of us and go for it. I love that. So, and so which sports did you play in school? Were you, so you said soccer and also is it tennis? Yeah. Played, so I was a big time tennis player. I was, actually, I don't mention this often, but I was a nationally ranked amateur. Wow. Uh, back, way back in the day. <laughs> and I played soccer too. Uh, I love anything like hand-eye coordination. Yeah. And, um, yeah. And then I really got hooked on snowboarding. Oh, really, cool. really. And I'm talking snowboarding before 
uh, there were even snowboarding boots. I mean, I was boarding with Sorrells on, so. Wow. I just totally think that sports is such a great lens because you get surrounded by all of these characters and these situations and these these challenges that I think that people that don't play sports, I just feel like athletes have some type of like advantage because they're running into this these things more frequently. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. I think failure is constant in athletics. You know, you double fault, you don't slide tackle that person, you're you know, your partner's not living up to where, you know, whatever it is. I mean, I think that failure is always in our face. And so we're always striving to get better and better and better. We got to get back up. We got to get, you know, push ourselves back onto the snow and tighten up our boots and, you know, maybe crack open a new can of tennis balls, whatever it takes to kind of get ourselves back in the game is something that athletics has certainly taught me constantly. It's not just like failing in a math problem. It's it's more than that. Yeah. All right. Let me ask you yeah. some. Now it's time for rapid fire questions. All right. Uh, yeah, rapid cool. fire questions. First thing you can think of, um, if you could pick one sport that you could have been better at in your youth, what sport would it have been? Golf. Oh, gosh, I can empathize with that. Okay, next one. Um, if you could pick one moment from your life where you could go back and redo it as a great dancer, what moment would that be? Oh, my God, prom. <laughs> okay. Um, and then final thought, if you had to think of one takeaway that you think based on your expertise, um, how can people level up and what's the, the final thought that you'd like to leave them with from this interview? Yeah, thank you. Um, build, a, build a culture of trust and that takes connection and that takes recognition and that takes oxytocin, that takes hugging people and getting into the flow state. That takes giving people agency to take up space and speak up and use their voice. It takes building relationships and uh, getting your ego out of the way. And it takes a hell of a lot of intention, vulnerability, and courage. And that's what I believe we do. And that's what I want every single listener to think about. Fantastic. Claude Silver, everybody on Off the Floor. Thank you so much, Claude, for making the time. I know we've been juggling back and forth and I can't wait to have you out into one of our schools and we can we can uh, make sure that your high school reunion can make up for that prom in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait, Chris. Thank you so much. You're a great guy. I appreciate the time. I hope you don't wait until you have the title of Chief Heart Officer or CEO to start doing something about your company culture because it starts with you. Ultimately, it's a composite of everybody there, but who says it can't start with one person? Maybe you need to change things from an I into a we, or maybe you need to cut back on speculation and over-index on communication. Either way, I think it's so refreshing to know that a company like VaynerMedia, arguably the best in the world, they're investing in culture, they're not buying it. It's so wonderful, and I'm so honored to have been able to share some time with Claude Silver, whose time is very, very limited. And coincidentally, she's been very generous, just kind of like what she mentioned about her boss. A big thank you to Claude, and thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Off the Floor.